Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Will you fasten your seatbelts for takeoff, please? Thank you. Kia ora, hello, and welcome to Sound Salad, where we toss around all things spoken and all things heard. Brought to you by Audiobooks New Zealand, New Zealand's leading producer of audio content. We hope that you will have a pleasant journey, and if we can add to your comfort in any way, please do not hesitate to press the call bell. Kia ora everybody, welcome back for our 10th episode of Sound Salad, and this week I am delighted to have with me the wonderful Peter Dowling. So a little bit of background on Peter. We've got an independent publisher since 2008. Peter's been an editor for book and magazine publishers in Japan and in the UK. He's been a contract editor and writer with specialization in Asia, Latin America and Oceania, helped by the fact that he is impressively multilingual, shall I say, speaking English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, Japanese and Maori. He's a Christchurch man. Peter has an MA, Honours and MBA distinction degrees. He also does charitable work as Executive Director of Te Pōtuki National Trust and was previously President of the Publishers Association of New Zealand and Publishing Manager of Reed Publishing NZ. So do you know, are you familiar with Craig Gamble? Yeah, Craig's a a colleague, nice colleague from Victoria University Press. He did a Session yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Craig's oh, now the vice president of the Publishers Association. Yeah, nice. So. Awesome. Oh, wonderful. Cool. Nice. Small world. It is a small publishing world. Tiny world. Well, one of the biggest things, I suppose, that we're kind of here to talk about today is something I'm really excited about. So Peter is the founder and publisher for Oratia. Mm-hmm. Yay, West is yeah. best, coming to Yo. you from our little Avondale Crescendo Studios. Awesome. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Oratia as a as a space for you. Sure, sure. Oriti is now as a, a, a proudly, may I say, fiercely independent publisher. Uh, we are based out in Oriti. We take our name from a, the lovely environment we work in and uh, we are publishing about 15 new titles a year uh, and are known for children's books, which are now predominantly picture books, although we're branching into non-fiction. Uh, good, solid New Zealand non-fiction, a lot of history, uh, a lot of te ao Māori and uh, a lot of illustrated work. And that draws on the fact that uh, our editorial director and uh, Carolyn Langehitao and myself spent 10 years together variously contracting and working at Reed's. And Reed was acquired by Penguin Random, or what was then Penguin, but is now Penguin Random House in 2007. Oh, I didn't know ending that. Ending a hundred year story of publishing in New Zealand, but they didn't necessarily uh, want to continue all of the, that publishing. So quite a lot of our authors and titles draw on that A-H-N-A-W Reed. Yeah, right. Papa, if you like, yeah. Uh, and in addition to our um, own publishing, we the company was established, my wife and I, Alessandra and I established in 2000 as a publishing services business and we were working for companies here and, and a, a lot in Japan and where we'd been previously and, and Europe and we still do that, uh, which just takes a little bit of the risk and pain out of publishing because not all the books that you hope to sell do sell. So, yeah, so yeah, we do, of we, you know, we're, so, so we're balancing that. And we love um, working with clients and doing that work as well. So, yeah, there's now four people in the business and lots of freelancers and contractors and loving it. That's so cool. So what, like, what led you to be so, I suppose, international, I guess, you know, like you were just mentioning that um, that your wife and you also, you know, you do mm. some work in Japan, Europe, things like that. What sort of, what was the catalyst to get you off these shores, I suppose? Uh, graduating in the late 80s when there wasn't a lot of opportunity here, a lot of curiosity about cultures. I was a languages and, you know, literature grad, so I did French through uni, and I'm just, I've always been someone who's fascinated more by cultures other than our own, uh, languages other than our own. And uh, so it was a mix of that and, and wanting to see the world and looking for, for better opportunities. So it took a while of uh, traveling, backpacking, doing various jobs, uh, learning about life to start in publishing, which is in the UK in 1990 was my first job as an editorial assistant Wow, in gosh. Surrey with an American multinational at that point. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What was that like? What I was cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was. It was just you know uh, very different. Not somewhere I'd imagine myself being, but it was quite a, a neat mix of you know hard nosed New York culture running us and a very multinational European office. So we were a yeah. European publishing business, and I was the I was the Spain and Portugal guy. So that was neat. So there were lots of languages, lots of 
opportunities to to, to travel as well, and yeah, yeah. and just to, you know. But you need that sort of technical grounding and proofing and editing and how a, a publication is put together. And uh, and, and so, you know, I still had a lot, still had a lot to learn when I came back here and and started working at Reeds in ninety late ninety seven, I guess that was. Yeah. Mm. Was it quite? Was it different here? The kind of system and the way that we were kind of working. Uh, New Zealand's different in that it's always smaller, and we're always so so so. You get a much broader range of general skills. You know, um, I still get you know people when I'm, we're dealing internationally to say, can we talk to your rights department? And uh, I don't, there is no rights department in any yeah. New Zealand publisher. Um, some of the bigger Australian ones do. So naturally, it's just a function of scale, yeah. which means that New Zealanders get a broader range of skill probably in the industry. Yeah, uh, and we can slot in anywhere, but uh, but also you know perhaps it can be a limiting factor when you know when you're really trying to push one side of the business. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we also get asked who's our accounts department. Well, that's all me too. So. <laughs> yeah, my laptop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zero, <laughs> Mister Zero, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you guys, um, you guys work in um, like every single facet of of publication, right? Do you encounter much sort of pushback or anything by the authors when it comes to your sort of design ideas and the sorts of things that you guys would like to implement in any case? Yeah, one thing we think we can do more easily because we're smaller is really involve the authors. So we're, yeah, cool. uh, we're collaborative to a fault and I've always felt that um, getting the author's input is key because they've lived with this work more than anyone else. They've invested more than in terms of time than anyone else. Uh, and they're probably closer, a bit closer to the potential readership than we might be. Yeah. Uh, so yes, there, there is to and fro there, but just naturally in a bigger house where you, you know, an individual editor might be responsible for twenty books, and there's yeah, a different sure. department. It's 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 much more difficult to do that, and that's something that we feel that we we can do. And most independent houses would probably try and involve that. And, yeah. Uh, so, so all of those decisions are collaborative and collective, really. Um, but you know, the contract says uh, mutual consent. But ultimately, if it's, if something's not going to work, you know, and um, uh, then we probably would want to have final say. But on yeah. the other hand, I always felt if an, if an author's really digging their heels in and squealing, they've probably got a good reason for doing that. Yeah, so sure. Somewhere between the two. But yeah, so we we handle everything from you know at the moment we're going out finding authors for some projects. So a lot of it, you know, it, it doesn't just arrive in the mail. In yeah, fact, yeah. what we get submitted. Uh, you know, from a website, probably one in a hundred of those might make it into a book form. To be wow. honest, and that's probably sort of average. No, no more than five percent of submissions would probably eventually find publication. So yeah, a lot gosh. of it's existing. When it comes from an existing author, it's a bit different. But yeah. a, a lot of work is done in commissioning, and people don't necessarily understand that. Editors, publishers are uh, actively. They've got ideas. They see gaps in the market, mm. or and and or you see a similar book overseas, or you you know, and and you go and find an author and match it up. So that's what we're doing a lot at the moment because cool. we've, we've finished twenty twenty one books and are looking at twenty two twenty three. Yeah. Um, and then yes, we'll handle everything from the project management, um, you know, contract an author, cost it or budget or edit it, uh, engage external proofreaders and copy editors. Yeah. Uh, we don't have an in-house designer, but we've got two two designers here who may as well be, and a bunch of others who we'll use. Uh, so all of that process. I guess the one thing we're not doing is printing. So we don't we're not a printer ourselves, right. and yeah. you do get a lot of people assuming that publisher and printer are synonymous, yes. and that we must have a printing press. But uh, no, that's all a question of placing print jobs either here or in East Asia. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Okay. So so you'd often take like national titles and get them printed over there, do you reckon? Anything that you're seeing from a New Zealand publisher in colour or in hardback in a, in a bookshop will have been printed overseas. Yeah, yeah right. It's just not economical, either not economical or just not possible to do it anymore. So yeah, printing, right. the printing industry's kind of become more specialised and hollowed out. Uh, that is to say, you could get a hardback book printed here, but it'll probably cost you five or more times what it does overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are very good, uh, and the advent of more digital print-on-demand printing means there are particularly good specialised guys. So if we can, we try and keep it here. Obviously, it saves us time and yeah, uh, all the freight issues that are a, a bit of a, uh, a bugbear at the moment. Uh, but yeah, most of that printing at large scale is done offshore. Some of the um, bigger publishers here, like Alan Naman, do a lot in Australia. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, but um, but yeah, we're we're mostly going through Hong Kong. 
Mm. Wow. So have, are you weight, like, based on all this COVID and Suez mm. Canal bollocks, are you weight, like, are you, are there still titles that you're waiting to receive? Sort we of have managed to get timeline? all of our Christmas titles here. Um, there Good was, stuff. There was uh, one of our big titles um, sat in Hong Kong for a month uh, doing nothing but waiting to get on a boat. And oh. when we finally did get on, it was on with two of our other books and talked to another other publishers. About eight or ten key Christmas titles were all on the MV Garonne coming from Hong Kong, uh, docking in Auckland in early October. And we were all just like, Whoa. please don't hit a rock. Please oh, don't God. go down because that would have been, you know, because it was all dependent. But, yeah, that's, um, that's what we re- rely on and it has become um, m- more challenging. I mean, we've got excellent – we use a company called Book Systems International to manage all the freight and they do – right. based here in, in Melbourne and they do a great job. But let's say, yeah, their job has been a lot more challenging this year. Prices are going up. Um, sailings are difficult, you know, yeah. you just get, you, we've seen, we've had, you know, not for any fault of theirs, but, you know, um, the ship gets filled up or they get a bit of an offer and, and your container with books just gets bumped to the next yeah. shipping. So, yeah. That's a fickle business, eh? It God. is a fickle business and, and you know, and then getting um, getting reprints done and all that sort of stuff is challenging it's too. Huge, so, yeah, yeah, like everyone, I guess we've got supply issues. So. Yeah, yeah. But on the whole, I think, you know, um, uh, it could have been a lot worse. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Good lord. Well, mm. I mean, on top of all of this stuff, mm. you're also a relatively creative person yourself, aren't you? Do you, you do some writing and things of your own? Do you? Uh, Are you I, part of any of that sort of side of things? Yeah, I mean, I um, you know, I was originally sort of got into publishing more as a from a writer side of things. So I've written a lot. Um, uh, you know, sort of done journalistic work and been a sort yeah. of commentator. And I've got a you know. I've, a keen interest in business economics, so I ended up yeah, cool. doing a lot of that. And while I was overseas, business and economics, and then travel writing, and yep. uh, you know, just um, it's hard to do that and to publish. I mean, yes. uh, we a lot of people ask you what you're reading, and sometimes at the end of the day, you've been looking at words and manuscripts for ten hours. That's probably yeah. about enough. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm still uh, I do actively writing, and my big passions are um, a language, and yeah. and so I, I edit the New Zealand Dictionary of, or the New Zealand Books of Place Names. I've edited a book of Do you? revised A.W. Reed's Māori Place Names book. And so that... I love or, that book. Or, yeah. Oh, origin, that's so cool. Origins and Meanings of that. Place Names is my, yeah, is, 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 a, is a hobby and one that I, I've just, we've just um, revived after not having had time to do it for quite a few years. But... Um, uh, the read the, so the estate of A. W. Reed and ourselves entered into agreement with our geographic board to m- amalgamate the, all our information with the New Zealand Gazetteer. So right. you soon and hopefully next year, going to be able to look up online and see origins of names and meanings of names alongside you know where they are in the country and that sort of thing. So yeah, so that's the the, the current passion. But that's uh, so um, cool. Um, but uh, I also think I I see it with you know quite a lot of other editors and things. They might start. Um, doing some writing and things, and then you, you know, um, editing and putting a book together is a, you know creative fulfilment enough. For a lot yeah, of yeah. And I, you just can't do can't do it all. Mm. No, I know. Gosh, yeah. Tell me about it. Eh? It's interesting. <laughs> um, basically, a sort of another question was how how was it that you sort of entered into the publishing and literary world? I understand you had a you know a real avid love for language mm. in general. I mean. In terms of actual written text, you know, like, mm. and in terms of what your sort of tastes were and things like that, that really kind of led you in there. Were there a couple of sort of titles that you can recall from when you were younger that sort of really kind of sparked something really specific in you that kind of, you know, you kind of went, yes, or anything like that? Or any stories of any people that you heard that were in any oh, kind of positions? Or- Going back a ways <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, uh, as, a, as a teen, you know, had all those discoveries, of, you know, that there's this whole world of literature that um, explored feelings and emotions and experiences that, you know, you, w- w- you aspire, aspire to. But, uh, you know, probably um, growing up in, in Christchurch in a single sex boys' school or whatever didn't necessarily uh, went it went day to day fodder. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so you know, early readings of, you know, the Camus and Dostoevsky and all that stuff. So it was like, wow, that's mind blowing and then you know, and then um George Orwell and, you know, yeah. and Leonard Cohen and all that yeah, sort of yeah, you know, yeah. stuff back back in the day. But um yeah, I was I was fortunate at uh, my last year of high school that uh, there was an English teacher there who decided he'd start a school newspaper because one hadn't been done and a friend and I got uh, got hauled in to work on it, and I became the editor of that. And I just, 
after a couple of issues, I was like, well, this was just like amazing. This is yeah. what I want to do. Because uh, it's not only, um, you know, the solitary process of writing, but you're actually stimulating other people, collecting it. And, yeah. and you know, I, I can remember going to, gosh, it was an uh, office in the top of Papua Nui Road where they did local newspapers and go walking, opening the door and just smelling the ink and thinking, oh, this is just so cool, paper yeah, yeah. and ink and all that sort of. Yeah. So I was actually discovering, you know, it's perhaps as much a love of books and that, Printing and 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 all that goes behind it, as much as um, as much as the written word, ultimately that you know that's sort of determined the career. But mm. you know, no one no one told me. I think my mum finally sort of suggested that I might look at publishing when I was sort of bumming around in my early twenties, and you know that there would be a good career. But it wasn't an established career path. So, yeah, you know, t- yeah, right. Particularly gr- growing up in the South Island, there was a. I don't think even when I was at Canterbury, you know, there wasn't a press there or whatever. So it was just. I knew wow. one publisher in Christchurch, and it just didn't seem like a, a, a an easy career path. Yeah. Uh, so it took a while. Yeah, and, and probably being overseas in you know Sydney, and then and then London, and then in Tokyo, you sort of mm. you know see that oh yeah, this is actually a, a business, and it's yeah. a, a viable career path, and it's a yeah, it's a, it's a neat business, and you don't didn't have to wear suit and tie. It was kind of yeah, totally. <laughs> I know a little bit different, eh? Yeah. So there was only one when you left. Were there were there uh, more when you came back in Christchurch? Uh, well, they'd set up the university press, and yeah, right. and the uh, the publisher then sort of helped. Uh, he's still a great mate, Mike Bradstock, who's a great publishing guy. Cool. Um, Helped me a lot and got me, you know, in contact with people here. But it, no, it's still fairly. Back then, it was a very Auckland-centered uh, business. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of big publishers on the shore. Read amongst them, and it's consolidated a lot. And a lot of the really interesting independent publishing is coming out of Wellington now. Really, yeah. yeah. Uh, VUP you know, and like, stuff like that. Eh? Well, yeah, VUP's established, but you know, you've got Gecko Press and the yeah, Children's of course, Gecko. and. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, lots of smaller presses. Yeah. Uh, Makoto Press at the moment is doing a lot in the fiction area. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's balanced out a little bit. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the warehousing and other jobs that used to be supported in Auckland by the five big guys have gone across the Tasman. So a, a right. lot of the books that are, you know, that you see from, you know, it's basically Penguin Random House, Harper Collins are the only ones with much publishing happening here. But their yeah. books will be warehoused in Melbourne and they ship them across here. So, yeah, well, so, so, you know, when I was at Reed, there were like 80, 90 people working there. So the, 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 the industry is wow. much smaller than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Gosh. Yeah, and you guys, um, you guys are moving into uh, audiobook production as well, eh? You came in and mm. did your was that your first audiobook with? Uh, it's our first audiobook here, with, yeah? which was right. Dawn McMillan reading her uh, her new um, collection of books. I've broken my bum and other stories, which yeah. Uh, <laughs> So her new bum series has been our major international success. I mean, the, the original book I've Need a New Bum is now well over a million copies sold internationally. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, mostly in the states. On and, good on it. And this was her second book, and it enabled us to bring back into print one of my favourites, which is Mister Spears and His Hairy Ears. Um, any man over fifty can probably identify with that. And uh, <laughs> and Charlie and his amazing tales. So Dawn's, uh, you know, a wonderful She's person. Pretty prolific, eh? She's very prolific. She's also a former primary school teacher who's great performance and so yeah. yeah we were delighted to do that um and um and, and you look forward to Theo's working on it I know now yeah, I think, yeah. to seeing That'd it out exciting. there so we'd love to be doing more in audiobooks and yeah. um and it, obviously audiobooks is such a growth area internationally but the scale of the scale of New Zealand is really working against us it's, I know you know yeah. it's just really frustrating um you know, the Publishers Association put in for the this very controversial innovation fund or mm-hmm. the cultural fund that was coming out from Ministry of Culture and Her- oh, Heritage yeah. Yeah. To, to try and, you know, break the deadlock, really, because publishers want to do it. There's facilities and, and great people like Audiobooks NZ here, and I mean that sincerely. Yeah, I want yeah, to yeah. putting a plug. Yeah. Um, but uh, in other areas, you know, you, performance areas, cultural areas, you, the government, you know, has has realised that it ain't going to happen with a bit of a subsidy. And I think that's what mm. we need in our industry, really, yeah. to make it go forward. And so far, that hasn't been forthcoming. So, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, we'd like to do more. We, we have had an audio book uh, made this year in the States also uh, of Tim Tippiner's novel, Patu, which was oh, just, cool. uh, again, a, a small independent uh, producer in Arizona who I met at a book fair overseas has done that. Uh, yeah, and would love to do more. Yeah. Um, it, it really... 
um, disappoints me to go on the library website, Auckland Library's website, and see that all I can get is American books. I don't. I think it's I know, wrong. I know. Uh, yeah, so, me too. So yeah, we'll continue lobbying. Yeah, so, me mm. too. I know it's interesting. You know, you can read as many statistics, statistics, sorry, as you like about large entities like Audible and things like that. You know, when you look at how long they've been going and where they actually started with, you know, two, three, four titles, you're mm. kind of like, well. You know, they've they've also got America and, like, yeah, exactly. and the entire other sort of hemisphere of the world that that they seem to be able to, you know, get a far quicker key into the ear of, you know. Mm. I, it seems it's 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 interesting because I find particularly, you know, post-COVID and, and in our film, film industry and things like that, you know, there's so many projects coming over here to kind of unearth and find new talent down here, you know, and they are. There's incredible New Zealand mm. performers that are now, you know, all of a sudden over in Fast and the Furious, go Vinnie yeah. Bennett, you know. Um, and, sure. And you kind of, it's it it seems like the time is ripe where people are looking at New Zealand for mm. stuff to come from here, for content of this, f- yeah. for for children's yeah. books that are written in our in in today, you know, thing, things like that. We're kind mm. of we're being plopped onto the map in quite a messy kind of way, mm. you know. It feels like there's a lot of people that are kind of keen to sort of mine what we've got here or to sift through who we have mm. here by way of musicians, artists, writers, mm. etc. It seems like there's a kind of a kind of divide about how they can key into the sort of more on-the-ground independent oh, artists okay. and writers and publishers and makers, you know. Mm. So it isn't that they're coming here straight away to go, great, let's get the next witty Ehemaida novel and turn mm. it into a film. or let, You know what I mean? Like, why not grab another author? <laughs> who's, well, who's, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's such a such a frustrating industry quit, like mm. issue to me in a lot yeah. of ways, you know. But Yeah, I mean, I think there's a search for content, definitely, and whether we match it necessarily, I, I don't know. But uh, but that's, you know, that's that's good for our creatives. Um, you know, the on the other hand... Um, a lot of what we can publish and write in New Zealand is just what the rest of the world isn't writing in English because we yeah. are such a small country in in the global language. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, it's interesting. We've had quite a lot through the Publishers Association develop a lot, lot more contact with the Irish because there's a you know New Zealand has this default thing which irks me that you know okay we're looking for over, some some comment from overseas oh we've got us the Brits yeah, and, yeah. You know, the Brits are fine but they're a they're, they're a content exporter and the yeah. Brits the Brits and the Americans divide the publishing world between you know North America and Br- Britain and Commonwealth right and yes so for for a New Zealand publisher to sort of push in uh, uh, and and try and wave the flag it's 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 tough because you you, you might see you might want to um, take world rights on something, but you know if you've only got New Zealand and Australia, it just doesn't doesn't the, uh, does, doesn't necessarily cut it. Nah, totally. Um, so you know, and, and you know, a lot of the books uh, that are published here are about New Zealand birds or yes. an aspect of New Zealand history. And um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think the world was interested, but they've got a lot of other stuff to be interested in. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but we, I mean, I think you know, it's one thing that. Also, we when we started out publishing Lauderdale, we said, "Well, look, we just we're not going to give up." And it's something; it's kind of an undertaking we give to our authors. Is if you know, publishers with us, we'll we'll show your books to the world. They'll be distributed because we have distribution and across Australia, North America, mm-hmm. and Europe. And we, you know, I, I will if if I think the, the book has a chance, I'll take it to a book fair. Back in the days, we could travel to book fairs and. Uh, and you plug away and plug away, and and things do stick, you know, like yeah. the, like the new bum story, like this audio book, uh, you know, like uh, a couple of other other of Dawn's books, which have recently been published in Colombia and distributed, you know, throughout yeah. Central America. And uh, hey, it's not big money, but it's it's but it's get, getting around, getting around, you know? and giving and, and reaching readers with exactly with, with our stories. And I think I think as you, as you said, particularly the bicultural aspect and um, the fact that you know when you present what uh, New Zealand's doing in Indigenous publishing and mm. the fact that there's been, you know, very active publishing of Māori content since, you know, since forever, but certainly yeah, totally. since, the, since the second half of last century. That yeah. uh, countries like Canada and Australia, but, you know, Latin American countries where I've spent quite a bit of time too, I just look, look at that and say, okay, we'd like, that's a model for us. Yeah, right. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so, so we have that um, to offer. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so is that something that's quite, like, I don't know, is that something that's quite usual that you'll come across that, you know, because of the fact that we have been so openly publishing, you know, mm. Te Reo for a long time, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I 
went to school in you know early nineties, and I remember reading it. And I know, and I know that that's not even that long ago, but. Mm. To know that not long before that it was illegal to speak it is kind of, you know, suggests a lot to us in terms of just in general the ways in which our print industry, I suppose, Mm. and therefore the ears of those of us here that are, you know, listening to our print industry. Mm. It's interesting for you to sort of, I don't know, bring into bring into the room the sort of notion that potentially there would be other overseas places that didn't necessarily. I don't know, respect, for lack of a better word, or mm. just actually bother printing their own Indigenous voices or something like that? I don't know, is that... Oh, yes, it's... I mean, you know, New Zealand's not an ideal, but, no, we're, uh, but we've got a head start, I guess. We've yeah. been a bit earlier um, than others. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I've spent quite a bit of time dealing with uh, Mexican publishers. We've sort of developed relationships with them. Um, the previous head of the International Publishers Association was a Mexican guy who came here. Wow. And I recall going with a colleague when we were there, uh, which was effectively a, um, it was a subsecretary of local cultures or something, but they were, he was responsible for indigenous languages. Right. Uh, so there's 62 or 65 indigenous groups in Mexico, and Wowzers. the vast majority had never had a publication, and the kids are being taught in Spanish, if at all, and they were just they're just starting a project. So this is like three or four years ago. Uh, getting a lot more um, publications wow. into Nahual and uh, Mayan, which are the two main, main languages. Yeah. But no, these things hadn't, you know, they just hadn't been that level of recognition and so still a culture of that, you know, you need to adhere to the mainstream language yes. in order to get ahead and, yeah. and, and so forth. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think it's something that, um, you know, it's not just those cultures with uh, indigenous communities themselves. Mm. There's a lot of receptivity mm. in in European countries, for example, an interest, you know, they're, they're interested in the South Seas and in yeah, Polynesia yeah. And, and you're not particularly in uh, in aspects of Pakeha culture. It's what, yeah. what it's what we can offer that's different and things. So, yeah, that is a – and, you know, when you look at what's the, – the books that have made it into movies and, mm. and things, you know, Whale Rider, Mahana, you name it, it's a lot of it's, – it's Māori and Pacifica content. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that's good and that, that's important, more important for us. I mean, you know, the areas of need are in supporting uh, to, to learning of te reo, mm. but also f- to enable kids from different ethnic backgrounds to see themselves. And print, yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. So, and, yeah. And, and so that's it's, a, it's helpful that that's what the rest of the world likes, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I love that. Um, there's another a sort of a big thing, I suppose, oh. that we cannot not mention. Mm. I had a huge media release that I sifted through for it and a number of other articles too. Um, oh. But Oratia won the BOP Bologna Prize for Best Children's Publisher of the Year 2021. Yeah, that was Oceania, good. yeah. That was at, the, at the Bologna Children's Book Fair in Italy. Yeah. And I read that you took the title out over four other prominent independent Australian publishers. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we, we have an advantage so in that cool. we're in Oceania, not in Europe, because we'd probably be competing against a lot more more people. But, well, sure, but, but still. anyway, <laughs> so this was our region and what was we nominated for. So it's a prize that's, it's, it's, it's meaningful, particularly because it's nominated for and voted by other publishers. So yeah, you don't nominate yourself. And cool. we had been nominated before and not won. And, uh, and yeah, it was just very welcome recognition, particularly at a time when we were unable to travel. So, like, I, you know, we have started exhibiting it, but the Bologna Book Fair—it's mm-hmm. the major international book fair—and yeah. a great sort of, um, ex, you know, crossing a meeting ground for ideas and illustrators and other writers. So, yeah, to have that recognition was really huge, particularly for our wonderful editorial director Carolyn Langaheta. So, Carolyn is is the brains behind the children's list. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you sort of, I publish them, but she makes them really, and and you know, and is just a you know, a very you know dear and, and marvelous colleague, but someone who's uh, you know sort of. Um, doesn't put herself in the limelight, so it was a bit of welcome limelight for, for Carolyn, and you know it's all these sorts of things that uh, the pri- you know prizes come and go and whatever, but it's actually then you know the, the emails that started coming in from people, oh you know what are you publishing and other things. So so a couple of deals have have, have come come out of it, like an ebook um, ebook arrangement with a major Canadian educational publisher came out of the fact that they saw we won the award and started oh. looking at our list and. So it's what it it's what it, it's what it comes comes with it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, we um, we did go and have a big uh, a big lunch at Pasta Quarter, and we've got t-shirts, and we you know it's very happy. It's Yay. nice to get those accolades, really. Yeah. Oh, totally. Gosh, yeah. especially I don't know. It's it's very easy to kind of just 
especially when you're in the kind of bush in New Zealand, it's very easy <laughs> to forget that, you know, the rest of the world actually does realise and recognise what it is that you're doing, you know? Yes, no, it's, it's, it's very significant and... Uh, and, um, you know, um, people say, oh, it was great to beat the Aussies. Well, there's a couple of good, really, really good publishers there. And, yeah. and there's one um, <clears throat> there's one wonderful um, publisher up in Western Australia who do a lot of Aboriginal work, and they haven't won yet. So I'm, hoping, you know, yeah, I'm rooting wow. for them in future or whatever. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It was um, the main kind of just, you know, for people to be mindful, the, the, the actual awards, like, basis, the thing behind it, it was, um, it was awarded to the publishing house that had a – um, creative nature, oh, for the creative nature of the editorial choices they've made in the previous year. So that's for your like 2020. It was the uh, 2020 right? list, yeah. The 2020 list, right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Amazing. So for the creative nature of the editorial choices made in 2020. So what, what were, like, what do you think it was about your 2020 sort of, I don't know, bookography, shall I say? <laughs> Well, the well, one word they used and the judges used was eclectic, which I really like because we do, we, you know, we're not a lot of children's publishers are exclusively that, and we're not, you yes. know, and we've also got, you know, titles about New Zealanders fighting at Gallipoli or, you know, early, um, early settler engagements and things. So, I, you know, I think it was. Um, that's right. We've got it's cited as an eclectic publishing house from New Zealand with a strong focus on high quality editing, design, and printing. Oh, yeah. So I think I, I think I think they do assess. <laughs> Uh, I think we've just got uh, we've we've got better over the years. We've probably focused more on our our design and production, and uh, uh, and they probably uh, I, I think in, uh, internationally they, they do respond well to the fact that we're doing much more bilingually. Like if we can, yeah, yeah. in most cases now, picture books are bilingual. Yeah, um, and yeah. and we're trying desperately to source stuff which is written first in Te Reo and things. So I think that that probably resonated with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. And um, you know maybe the fact we're still we're, we're still around you know it's sort of it's it's not an easy it's business so, yeah you know but I can't get inside the judge's head you know I thought our 2020 kids list was really good but you know yeah. I also think 2021 is pretty good so yeah um, we're happy with how it's evolving nice yeah. oh that's so cool I yeah. love um yeah it's it's an interesting one the whole kind of I don't know I suppose like sort of being a Kiwi maker or whatever on an international map or, you know, like mm. all of those, all of the different ways that that can kind of work. And I love what you said about, um, obviously, um, Tim Tipini's novel, Patu, mm. you know, sort of make, making its ways around overseas. And it seems, I mean, obviously, yes, you can have a, a brilliant book, granted, and it can also just stay on your laptop or in your box that you've already printed at your house, yes, you know. Yes, sure. What I think is really um, kind of like fascinating but also kind of like really – really pleasant about what it is that I gauge from from Oratia is the sort of on the groundness, like mm. with a big entity like say Penguin or something like that, yeah. you know, you might have forty people that you're emailing to and fro mm. as an author, perhaps. I don't I don't know yeah, necessarily, yeah, yeah, but you yeah. know, it is a big entity. So um really knowing and having a one on one personal relationship with someone and really trusting that, hey, we do make our way around the world. Mm. We are from New Zealand, but we mm. are going to book fairs avidly and actively yeah. in, in such a vast global sense. You know, I think that's, I mean, is that is that something that obviously you specifically are well-traveled, you're well-versed mm. in many languages, but is that something that you think most, most sort of publication houses sort of prioritize? Is that sort of ability to get themselves around and to push no, out? Not at all, actually. Really? <laughs> really? Because that, that's at, looking, the assumption from this look, side. No, it looking really at our co colleagues uh, in New Zealand, um, and, and with, with, with total respect for the choices they make, there are those who don't see that, you know, as I said, they're publishing New Zealand content primarily for New Zealand readership, and they don't see the value uh, in, in reaching out to the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and most of our activity internationally is at uh, is as is a collective undertaking with the publishers' association to go to these fairs, and there's yeah. there's just members who are great publishers um, mm. who just don't attend. That's not their priority, and sure. uh, it's a, yeah. a busy job. So, and then there are those who are you know like a Gecko Press, which is all about picking the best international um, books in other languages and bringing them into English, yes. where that's just all, all they are about. And yeah, a, sure. And there's, you know, various gradations on, on that spectrum. But um, mm. but no, so uh, for, for, you know, for other publishers, it's um, it's not seen as being a priority. And 
the you know the frustrations I had at at Reed were not being able to go to Frankfurt because I mean, you learn so much by going and, yeah, and, and, and it's sure. a great thing for people to participate in. Um, but it tended to be um, New Zealand publishers would be going to buy uh, the books that we were going to import. Right, right? New I Zealand's see. still three quarters imported books, right? Is what we sure, said. Yeah. Um, and um, so for me, it was imp- it's important to go just to exchange ideas and find out what's happening. But for the larger houses, um, you know, the rights will be handled by someone in the Australian office or yeah. the UK office. And yeah. even um, someone like VUP who's, you know, publishing Eleanor Catton and, yeah. and, and, you know, a lot of the really cool new novelists, mm. um, their international rights are handled by a publishing house in Australia. So because they just don't have the budget or the resource yeah. to, to, to manage it all. And, uh, you know, and, and Craig and Fergus, who, you know, the, uh, Fergus is the publisher and Craig the publishing manager, they're very well versed in rights and, and doing the deals but yeah. but you know they, that's kind of outsourced so so yeah, it's um you know not not everyone prioritizes and not everyone's mm. got the resource to, to 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 back to back it up i mean yeah uh, and were we a bigger office where i you know you had you were managing people i couldn't just you know be over there doing that and then on the laptop keeping yeah. the business going of so course. probably yeah, smaller yeah. publishers have an advantage yeah goodness yeah. gracious yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so <laughs> I suppose I've kind of just answered like my, my own kind of next question really in a lot of ways was um, the main sort of things that you guys did differently to your kind of competitors. But I think, I don't know, there's something um, there's something very intrinsically Kiwi, for lack of a better word, about the way that you guys operate in a lot of ways. And I say that only only in the sense of, for example, being able, you know, a big UK or Australian mm. company being able to say, our rights manager will deal with that over in Europe, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. You know, with us, not necessarily, or with, with, with Oratia, not necessarily having that capacity. Mm. The only other thing that we really have to fall back on is our kind of interconnectivity and your kind of relationships yeah. with, w- with, with each other and with whoever you're, you're gunning towards elsewhere, you know. Right. And I think for a lot of my author friends that I've spoken to, there's, mm. there's a real kind of, um, I don't know, it seems like there's sort of, there's two kind of approaches, but they definitely want to tick them both off, you mm. know? Like, they definitely want to be able to, pub, like, have have the experience of having the Penguin Random House publication, mm. you know? And half of them kick themselves straight after they've done it because they're like, I can't pay my rent. And I don't know what I, where any where anything <laughs> is, of mine has gone. And, and there's all this contract law that I know nothing about, yeah. you know? So there's that side of things. But it's still absolutely, absolutely a thing that, I mean, I would love to tick that off my list as well. A lot of people would, well, you know, you for, for whatever the their reasons are, you know. being published by a major publisher. And, you totally. Know, we, we, we're referring to PRH because Penguin Random House because they're the big the big. They one are the big, and here. we love you, PRH. Yeah, we do, know? we do. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're only referring to you because you're powerful and it's good. Well, you know, but, but so if you, you know, look at a global sense, you know, the, there's Bertelsmann's group, there's Hachette, yes. you know, there's, yes, there's Hachette yeah. here, that sort of thing. Yeah, so that's... Being published We've by got one a of those guys, things. I mean, you were going to, uh, you know, there, there is sometimes we get approached with a book and, I, and and you know that they, you know, you're really going to have to publicize this on the backs of buses, you know, yeah, it, right. has to, it has to be out there and we, you know, we, we, we just don't have that sort of capacity. Yeah. yeah. You need a publicity department to do some sorts of books. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, these guys are... Um, uh, you know, are, are doing are doing what they're good at. Yeah, um, absolutely. But so yeah, the credibility of being published by one of these big guys is huge, as opposed yeah. to publishing it yourself and having to um, make all the decisions and learn and um, and and come up with the twenty grand at least that you're going to have to invest in a book <laughs> yeah. is a different matter. So yeah, so yeah, look, um, you know, I suppose independent publishers here, if we can't be close to our creatives, then what are we doing it for? No, so yeah, it probably exactly. is what we can what we can do, but it's just so much more fun and satisfying. If you're if you're available and and collaborative and yeah. and and also I think you know, you you what you were saying about your author friends and unable to read the contract is unfortunately fatally true is that you know well, we don't uh, have managers like oh and no. we, we we don't we have well I'm pretty sure we have one if that literary agent. Well, oh, there's, you know, there's always like, there's been just, a, just a handful of literary agents in New is, Zealand, and the, the, and know, they're the, quite inaccessible in a lot of senses as mm. well. I think, and you know, which well, they've had to focus on their yeah. business too, and it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough um, and very busy job being a literary agent or a scout. They work hard for their, yeah, for yeah, their money absolutely. and the like. But yeah, I um, you know I always try and when we're preparing a contract to talk people through it and explain it. But a lot for a lot of people, say, oh, yeah, that'll be fine or whatever. But you the, know, seriously, yeah. you got to you, uh, you know. 
if if I'm advising someone is to say, well, at least ask ask for a bit more or yeah, a bit more yeah. time or yeah, totally. Um, because because publishers are generally you know wanting to do the right thing, but mm. um, you know. If you're not asked, you don't. <laughs> no, no, of course, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a. Th- I think, you know, having having had friends do both versions of it, doing mm. the sort of big publication first, and then opting to go for a sort of smaller, mm. self-managed or independently managed option, mm. and then vice versa, you know. And there being pros and cons to each. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think inherently, a lot of uh, creatives, and you know, particularly writers, because it's such an isolating job. The actual. Mm. Um, as soon as you get a yes, the sort of desperation to go, yep, doesn't matter who, sign the thing, you know, like there's, there's, I think that but based on the fact that we're quite small, there can be a bit of that, you know, mm. which is, which, which is, you know, sometimes it's, look, it's interesting. I talk to authors or people I know in the States too, where it seems easier because, you know, you've got these big markets or whatever, but it's hellishly competitive. Yeah. And, and, and so unfortunately, um, and being in this business, and it's not just probably the you know it's not just authors, it's illustrators and other people. You're going to yeah, have to course. deal with rejection, you know. And oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and 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 you know, I've been there myself. Uh, you know, uh, uh, submitting ideas or manuscripts or back in the day, you know, stories or poems to journals and rejection and re- after rejection. Yeah. So yeah, when you finally get accepted, it's like, whoa, this is just yeah, like yeah. yeah. Take and, it. <laughs> and, and and a lot of authors. I, I hear it from them. Will say, "Well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be difficult because I've been accepted. So, so the, you know, the, the, uh, yeah. the they're only offering me this, but I better accept it." So, no, back yourself because yeah. if you, if it's been accepted, uh, it, you know, it's it, it, there's a there's a, a, a an aesthetic or whatever they a, want a, it. a cultural case for it yeah. that they like it, but they also think that it's going to work from a business case, and um, and you just you know get the best deal you can. Yeah. Um, Totally. Even if it's even if it's not going to necessarily pay your rent, but um, uh, the, the important thing to kind of bear in mind is well, it may not pay your rent, but but the value is you've created something which is in print and is mm-hmm. uh, and for fifty years after your death is can still potentially be earning you uh, royalties. There could be other rights which come yes. out of something. There's a thing called the public lending right where you the, the you get compensation for copies taken out of libraries and things. Right, okay, I didn't know that. Um, so you want to continue to have control over your child, over your creation. Yes. Um, and you know once it's once it's been printed, um, you know that's 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 um, establishing a basis for you to be getting income um, for years to come. So yeah. I do say to people that sometimes you know like hey look you know. And that's another thing, I guess, that differentiates us. Uh, is I have an undertaking to authors that your book will stay in print, mm-hmm. uh, even if it means we're only printing 50 at a time, with a few exceptions. And from the you know, 100, 150 books we've published since we started, there's only three or four that aren't in print anymore because I just – they're the sort of types of books yeah. that aren't. If the book stays in print and it continues to sell even in small numbers, you know, mm. you're going to be at very at the very least be able to pay um, pay your insurance on your car every yeah, year yeah, from those yeah. income or whatever. And just to consider it as a long term investment. It's probably not going yeah. to pay your rent for for now, but if if it's managed right, if you manage to stay in print, or there's an ebook version, or someone picks it up for schools use, or X Y Z. Uh, there's a, there is ongoing income, and more importantly, your work's still available, and people are reading it and engaging with you as a as a creator. So yeah, yeah. Mm. oh, I love it, so good. Can't wait till we get oh, just more and more accessibility. Eh? It's, it's, um, yeah, it's an it's it's an exciting time. I'll be fascinated to see you know, given the fact that we've all had to be a lot more um, resourceful over this period mm. about how we do things, and especially the stories that we tell and how we tell them. I was mm. um. A funny um, when I spoke with Craig, he was this was gosh this before this this current you know current lockdown mm. I'll call it about how over the 2020 lockdown he was trying to make books essential mm. become an essential service because obviously everything had to shut down and yeah you know he was sitting oh, there twiddling his fingers point. just going like it's a very what sore point I'm just researching at the moment. Like, <laughs> New Zealand's the only country one of the few countries in the world that did that and uh, as far as I know the only country that's done it twice it's so staggering it's just, I don't oh, understand it's, just, um, like, it's shameful I'm, it's yeah. shameful um, thanks for saying it <laughs> uh, no uh, yeah. completely unnecessary as an industry we lobbied and were given assurances that it, it wouldn't happen again yeah. and then they go and do it again uh, and libraries are shut it's just bullshit, so it's actually hey. to my mind it's you know it's bordering on book banning and censorship and I, and I, and 
you know, there's nothing that could be done about it. And once yeah. we got out of level four, books could be distributed. But everywhere else in the world, books, uh, book sales online picked up and went strong and kept totally. people going and kept authors going, but more importantly, kept kids amused at home when they were running out of things to do. And, and when they were sick to death of Netflix and yeah, YouTube and someone wanted a like, book on crosswords or whatever, yeah. but in New Zealand you'd have to buy, you know, yeah, you could buy it on Amazon, a book depository offshore. Well, that's helping our economy a great deal, isn't it, too? So, so no, I just think it's an absolute disgrace. No, I yeah. It, mm. that, it, yeah, I've always, um, whenever, I buy, when, whenever I have to purchase a book online, oh. I always try and go to one of our actual physical bookshops because I know they can order them in anyway, you know, and you might as yeah. well. Well, even 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 Fish Pond and Mighty Ape are, are, are based here or whatever. No, yeah. um, for, for some reason, only urgently required educational books were able to be legally supplied, and uh, <laughs> it's just staggering, so yeah. Eh? And you know, uh, and our like it, it. It certainly wouldn't make up for bookstores being shut, and we don't want to cut them out of it. But uh, it could have been done safely, and mm, it could have made yeah. a difference to, to people who are suffering in lockdown. So absolutely. Uh, so yeah. Um, Rest assured, this is not going away until I understand, you know, until we understand what the rationale was, and also, yeah. also, from what I'm understanding, this has never happened in our history before. So it's the only time in New Zealand history that books were unable to be sold. So, please explain. And it's you know, I mean, over a month ago now, they were saying that um, libraries have now gotten rid of all of their over like late fines and you know yeah, late yeah, fees and things like that, which is wonderful, I think, in a lot of ways. But part of me goes, how how do you police that? How do you how do you make sure that people actually mm. actually, you know, because I mean, for example, I have a book at the moment at at home, a hardcover book, lovely book by E. M. Blakelock, lo- wonderful West Auckland man from way back. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was um, Grammaticus. The Grammaticus, yeah, yeah, yeah he lived out Tittering who he was yeah. or something, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's a, a, just an incredible writer. I mean, he's very old, granted, but it just his, yeah, his, yeah. his his way with sentences is just. He was a beautiful writer. Yeah. I mean, he was called Grammaticus for a reason, you know. Um, yeah. But. This is a book that's no longer in print, as far as I'm aware. You yeah. know, it's from I think it's 1974, hardback. If I don't return that, because technically, if I'm not getting fined, no one's going to chase after me for that, mm. right? Like, what mm. is that? I mean, of course, I'm going to, but it's just a hypothetical situation of going. How will the how will the literary slash like library industry, I suppose, mm. if it is one, um, actually sort of survive without? Those, yeah, I mean, I, mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've seen if, it myself. If you have any knowledge of I that, don't I don't know. I think you need to get a librarian on in your next yeah, session probably. or whatever. Yeah, probably. I think I do. Um, because, Figure uh, this out. Because, yeah, it's, you know, that's uh, obviously – I think I think that just, uh, globally it's been viewed that that's the, – the fine things is a disincentive for people yes. taking books Agreed. out because yeah. they worry about it. But, yeah, what's the incentive to return it? I I, I, haven't, I, I don't know. Yeah. So it's not a subject I've sort of uh, – I have any authority on. Um, yeah. Uh, but – but yeah, I mean, hey, there's you know, I've got books out now. But you know, I, why, why? If I need it for another week, I don't need to renew it. Another someone else might be waiting. Well, I you know, know, I know. See, thing. that's the yeah, thing. Strange. That's the big thing is yeah. that I've I've been on waiting lists for books before for weeks in the past. You yeah, know, like yeah. just to try and get something through from the basement in Auckland, Auckland Library or something. You know, you never. You, sometimes you just never ever get them. You know, so you wonder, oh gosh, well, it's either very very popular or someone's just chosen to take it out of circulation. Thanks very much. Well, the libraries are saying, you know, um, whole lockdowns, you know, through lockdown and COVID, we've seen digital use just skyrocketing and whatever, and people are accessing digitally. Yeah, but yeah. hey, if, you, if your library's shut for three months, of I course know. it's going to go up. Yeah, exactly. And ebook exactly. use is, is big in, in a few sectors like romance, erotica, mm. uh, historic, uh, sci fi, and, and. Yeah, yeah. But in kids' books, for example, one in 50 books, one in 50 units sold. Uh, is electronic now. So wow. that, that's and and what you, we're seeing in the states and Europe is, mm. is audio is actually taking over, overtaking audiobooks are the selling e-book. more than the ebook. Yeah. So there's people, you know, you, you've probably met them too. So people who say, "Oh, I only read on my Kindle, and that's so great, and whatever." And so, well, what sort of, you, you're obviously not reading Ian Blakelock or beautiful yeah. photographic books. It's great yeah. for fiction and stuff that you don't need a production value. That yeah. It's just like words on a printed on yeah. a page. But for other stuff, it, it just ain't working. And um, and so, I mean, we do ebook versions of some of our books, but mm. we've stopped doing them for kids because no, no one buys them. They don't mm. want them. So, and for uh, children especially, you know, there's so much there's so much ritual around having the actual picture yeah. book. And, you know, I've, God, I've still got picture books from when I was tiny, you know, and I'm never getting rid of them. They well, start also, to mean things to you, you know. Also, you know, um, speaking of the, you know, the audibles and Amazons of this world, I mean, the perception that, you know, a, a $30 uh, 
a, a book that retails for thirty dollars in the store is worth ten dollars or seven ninety nine because it's not printed is just wrong. I mean, because the, yeah, print, yeah. the printing's a big part of your cost, yes. but it's not. <laughs> it's not two thirds of it. You yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah. So that has made it difficult because of that sort of price pointing that's gone on in, in e-books and audio, doubly difficult for us here to do it. Because, yeah. because really, you know, if we have a $30 book, um, you'd think, well, the e-book needs to be 20 or 22 probably yeah. because it's only the printing, warehousing, all the associated, you know, waste and damages that you yeah. have to cost into it. So, um, so yeah, but um, – but it ain't that you know you you have to sell them at 10, 10 bucks American or less or no one will buy them yeah, yeah. Uh, unless it's a specialist thing yeah gosh you're fighting a bloody good fight I have to oh, say well, it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> fight too and you know um, and and you can't get too hung up on you know on, on, on the big trends we just have to sort of stick yeah. doing with what we're doing here and yeah. and um, and and. Yeah, getting the books around and um, mm. believing in your next title and hoping it's going to do, it's going to sell. Hoping but, everyone else will too. Yeah, that's it. That's the excitement. You never know. You yeah, never well, know. I know yeah. you don't, eh? Hey? Yeah. Um, right. Well, one one question that I have to ask everyone that comes oh, okay. on is, what was the first audio book that you ever read? When was it? And what was your experience of it? Oh man. Or um, we'll say, it doesn't have to be audio book. It can be first sort of. Recollection of oral storytelling, you know, whether it's in oh, front of the radio well, or whatever. It yeah, was. yeah, it was the, you know Saturday morning kids shows on national radio. Was oh really? Uh, uh, now hang on, was it? Flick the little fire engine and the reading of those stories. Flick the little fire engine, Sparky in the talking train, and uh, all that sort of stuff. I guess growing up. So you, yeah, it was a ritual to wake up early on a. I think it was a Saturday morning with Dick Weir and listen to those radio stories. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, and first audio books would have been on tape and then on CD, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I still, uh, before I got onto Libby and, you know, I was still taking CDs out of the library yeah. until like, a few years ago. So yeah, totally. I still like the old CDs and things. So, um, yeah, so, and, and, um, Recent, yeah, more recently, yeah. I mean, a range of, a range of technologies started with the you know, iPod, the little iPod, and the iPod yeah. trip. So, yeah, I mean, audiobook usage is, was commuting around Auckland was a lifesaver, and then yeah. you know, um, having a chance to listen to and share the old classics like um, Tom Sawyer with the kids when you're driving yeah, around and that totally. sort of thing. So that's yeah. But no, I'm a great lover of audiobooks. I'm listening to I listened to one as I came down here, which is again from the library. So yeah. Oh really? What is it? Uh, it's called CC Pyle's Amazing Foot Race, and it's an American story, which is just fantastic. So I'm a keen distance runner. I mean, oh and, nice. Uh, this book is about a something I never knew a, a cross America r- foot race, which was organised in the late 1920s. Departing from LA and running three thousand miles to New York. Wow! Uh, sort of in the era of big film and yeah. uh, dance marathons and all that sort of spirit of thing. So it's a fin- really great, cool. a great book, very well written, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm loving it. So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome! I love it. Uh, but you know, uh, you'd go a long way to try. You know, there's good New Zealand books about running too. None of them available audio. So yeah, yeah. yeah so we do, we do need kind of a scheme. Uh, to, yeah. to 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 convert all these sorts of material, or all you know, some way of that back catalogue at Radio New Zealand, or uh, yeah. blind and low vision being being made available more broadly. So, oh, I know. You know it's tricky though. It's yeah, tricky, I so. know it mm. is a tricky one. eh? gosh, yeah. it'd be wonderful if you know, I don't know, if say Audible could just turn up and purchase pre-purchase a bunch of Kiwi titles that you know, because they're. Mm. People all over the world, even you know, that would like to hear Surrey in a Kiwi accent rather than the US one that they have to hear when they're yeah. living in their lives in the UK. What you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. there is something to be said about having your own dialect or and or your own tongue in your ear, mm. whether or not you're home or or elsewhere. You know, I think yeah. so so much of the content that we get delivered these days, particularly in television, is American. Mm. I have you know, young kids that I'll teach speech and drama to, and I'm trying to get them to speak like. Like we like, do, no, we you do. Know? Like, like we do. <laughs> like, and there's always some kind of really easy way that they can just, you know, I'm um, uh, like, oh, wow, like, wow. You know, yeah. actors have to study that shit. Like, <laughs> they just know it. You know, there's such, such keen oral yeah. learners. It's pretty amazing. Very impressive. So last few things before sure. I'll, I'll leave us because we've gone a slightly over our hour. Oh, but awesome. um, what's next on the literary cards for you? 
Uh, so we, uh, we've just got our last 2021 books out. Yes, so, that's right. So, so moving on. So, okay, the start of 2022 is the fourth of the new bum series called My Bum is So Cheeky. Uh, <laughs> and that will be released here in the States and in the UK uh, right in the first week of January. Uh, and you can never have too much of a good bum, but um, this is these books have just gone so well internationally that we're, we're, we're being asked for more content, and there's nice. different versions. I mean, the, the, our Chinese publisher has come up with a whole set with stickers and the works in it, so, wow, uh, which is cool. out now. So it's neat sort of, you know, actually – being asked for stuff rather than sort of trying to, you know, sell things, sell things yeah. to people. Yeah. Uh, and then the, um, yeah, the first two books following that for the, um, for 2022, I guess also follow international themes. So the first is an Anzac related title uh, called the water bottle, which has been written by uh, Philippa Weary, who's a sort of very well-known mm-hmm. children's author based in Wellington, who's written a lot about the war, but uh, we, through an agency in Istanbul, have got a, a, a have created the concept and have a Turkish illustrator. Um, so it reflects both sides of the story, uh, and it's a lovely book, um, which we're hoping then will get a Turkish publisher on board to to publish wow. their edition. And cool. it's just you know, um, I don't you know I don't know about you. I feel a real bond with Turkey in particular yeah, because yeah. of Gallipoli yeah. and, totally. and and and. and for the Turks to see that recognition of, of, of their nation is really, really important. And come May, we've got another fantastic international book, which I'm really excited and we're just still working on, which is called Hundertwasser in New Zealand. And it's the... Uh, and we're doing an association with the Hundertwasser Foundation in mm-hmm. Vienna, and it's the, the story and artwork that, that Hundertwasser created in his whole time in New Zealand. So that hasn't been written about as a separate book, and the author is a wonderful writer, curator called Andreas Hirsch, who's based in Vienna. And it's been translated from the German and we will be yeah, publishing that here. So it's been a fantastic, it's actually, um, Carol and I have both, well, she does a lot of editing. I don't normally have time to edit, but I yeah. made an exception because it was just such a fantastically written manuscript and, and just cool. incredible to learn about Hundertwasser, you know, and the problem of being an editor is, you, you know, you're, you're always looking for what's wrong and looking to correct and you get to yeah. the end of things and people say, what have you, you been working on and what can you tell us about? And you think, well, I just can't remember because you're not, try, you're trying not to read. Yeah. Yeah. But I have gone back through this one and read and really got a huge admiration for him as an artist and person. So, so that'll be neat. Yeah. May next year and hopefully we'll be free to, the, you know, the the, um, the big centre's opening up in Whangarei, the Hunter yeah. So, so yep. hopefully we'll be able to do something up there and remember cool. the man. So, so yeah, we're, we're pretty fortunate. We get to work on some some really nice stuff, generally with very nice people um, yeah. a, and, um, and, a, and a whole range of, of subjects. So, yeah, you become a temporary expert on stuff until you, yeah. you then move on and forget <laughs> about what yeah. you've just been working on. Oh, but, totally. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. And, um, and we're lucky in that the you know, books have, have – been solid through the whole pandemic, really. So aside from, mm. you know, those r- unfortunate times when book sales weren't uh, permitted, people have gone back to books in a big way. Yeah. And so people are reading more and I think appreciating what, what books could offer. So, yeah. you know, there is a future and, um, you know, this, the whole sort of digital trumps everything and the book is dead is just a joke, really. It's I a mean, total joke. Yeah. It's a total joke. Screen fatigue is such a real thing. Yeah, like, totally. poor kids just sitting watching Netflix. Like, I've got young, you know, like friends with young children and like you'd look at their faces after nine hours staring at it. You know, mm. they're just so past it. They're, well, I mean, they're doing you know, school I, on, you know, they're just... I, I do read on an iPad, but after a day's work, I just can't anymore. So it, you feel it. Yeah. You feel it in your eyes. So... That's uh, no, a real so, thing, So, you eh? know, yeah. So, um, that, that, and, and, um, and because of that, people are, there's a greater appreciation of nice books, like, you know, books that are printed yeah. on good... Yeah environmentally sourced paper that might have a reading ribbon, that sort of thing. People yeah. that, and, you know, so, so as going back, I'm, I'm, it's probably got into publishing as much because I'm a bibliophile as a, as a word and, you know, um, literary person. So that's yeah. just so heartening to see that that's going to carry on because uh, it also, it also for archive and for the future is just better because, you know, you can access a book written 500 years ago, but accessing some software that was written 10 years ago is really, it's really difficult. hard. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Funny, yeah. So both have their place, but uh, but the book's, uh, book's here to stay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I wholeheartedly total that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Good job. laughs>
All right. So last but not least, oh. how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in, you know, finding out more about yeah, Autotia sure. or contacting you for publication or anything? Okay, really? so go to our website, which is www.oratia.co.nz. I'll put it in uh, the notes. <laughs> and um, that contains uh, a bit about us, uh, profiles of, of, you know, myself, Carol, and Alessandra, who does all our media direction and digital side of things, and Belinda Cook, who's our marketing person. And then on our contact page, uh, there's details of how to get us. You you can, if you can't find a book anywhere else, ask us or get it off our site. But we really strongly encourage people to support their local booksellers. And that's not just the independents. We're very fortunate to have you know good book people in Whitcalls and, and to have Whit- the Whitcalls and Paper Plus because we need those bookstores. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're interested in making a submission, yeah, there is a submissions guideline on um, on that contact page, which uh, and whether it's, whether it's to us or to another publisher, I really do recommend people look at what the people publish and look at the guidelines and follow that because uh, just because you have written the best novel that's ever been written, it's not going to be able to change our minds. We we, yeah. we, we are not able to sell it because booksellers and other people don't expect it. Um, and if a publisher says that they will only take a, a submission in writing or they will need something by mail, then then they don't want it by email. Yeah. Uh, so it's just you know like like applying for a job, really just get your presentation right, and it's going to give you much better chances of, of of finding the right publisher. You know, it's particularly in those creative fiction poetry areas. There's not a lot of choice in New Zealand. Yeah. But um, but you can't. But do, so do look do look internationally too. It's um, you know if it's a good enough story, particularly try Australia and then probably the states. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. So. so um, and, um, you know, we work from home. We don't have any offices and, you know, so don't, you know, unless, unless you've got an appointment, don't come around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, lastly, we've always said, you know, if you're, if you're from Avondale West, uh, we're the only kind of, we're the only publishing house here. So any Westies, uh, if you need to, you know, uh, a lot of publishers will say, look, you know, we're, we're a business, we're busy, we're not, a, we're not an assessment service. So if you've got an idea we'll tell you if it's for us or not, and that's about it. But if you're a Westie, we'll take the time of day to actually try and support you. That's a great, that's a great (laughs) thing. (laughs) There's so much unmined talent out here in the Waitakere Ranges, honestly. It totally is, totally is. And we No, it's a very good place to actually have access to to people locally. Yeah, Uh, totally. And... um, but, you know, we want to also just nurture that and as, as well. So, yeah, yeah, very happy to have a coffee and, uh, and so, at Sozo on Titirangi or down here if, if uh, you know, if we think, if we think that it's a goer. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for having <laughs> Oh, me. look at that. Thanks so much for joining us today for our episode 10, our first double digits. Yeah. Very exciting. We'll be getting this out to you in a number of days. So right. thanks for your time, Thanks Peter. a lot, Rom. We've been great. Kia Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Romy Hooper. You've been listening to Sound Salad for all things spoken and all things heard. To hear more Sound Salad episodes, go to www.soundsalad.co.nz. This has been brought to you by my gold sponsor, Audiobooks NZ. Check out their library at www.audiobooksnz.co.nz.